What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. This is episode 54, as we are going to get ready to talk about week five of the season, some good games, some blowouts, and a team that didn't even get to play this week. So definitely got a lot to talk about, though, when it comes to Pinal County sports. A lot of fun stuff to talk about. But what were your thoughts uh, overall uh, when you saw the final scores there? Was there anything that kind of threw you off a little bit? When it came down to it, there was one game in particular that we had picked to go one way and kind of went a different way, but we'll, we'll touch on that later. But we were actually able to sit down and watch the battle of the boot between Marana High School and Mountain View. It was unfortunate when we got there because of the internet connectivity. We weren't able to stream the game. We had to upload the game afterwards. Um, but nonetheless, it turned out to be a great game that ended up with Mountain View coming back to beat Marana 42-35. to You were there with me that whole game. What was something about that game in particular that was totally interactive for you and, and put you in the game? Um, I thought that the crowd made the game, you know, uh, on both sides. The game was originally supposed to be at Marana High School, but uh, due to their uh, turf, um, there was a big rainstorm that happened mm-hmm. when they were supposed to get their uh, turf installed. So it was a little bit late, so they had to move the game back to Mountain View. But just to see the amount of people that were there for that rivalry game kind of took me back to last year with Coolidge and Florence and how, many, how the stands were so full and it kind of people had to stand on the fence line in order, to watch, yeah, in, in order to watch the game. Through the course of the game, you started seeing the crowd get into it, especially later in the game on the Mountain View side. And I thought overall it was one of the best games. Definitely has to be a top favorite when it comes to uh, the games that we've been at so far this year. And I think overall, just to see... Mountain View, you know, down to their, what, fourth, fifth string, fifth, string. Qu- fifth string quarterback and be able to knock off a heavily favored uh, Marana team, it just goes to show you that anything can happen on a Friday night. And what was one thing, one play, one moment of the game that has stuck with you till now? Like, you'll never forget it. I think it was seeing uh, the, I, I can't remember the uh, player's exact name. But the whole time you had uh, Jason Wood, he was playing phenomenal, you know, connecting uh, with his uh, receiver, uh, Roebuck. Mm -hmm. And so just seeing them get that interception, and actually prior to that, it was a a series of events. It was the fact that I was telling Chris, Mountain View right now needs a turnover. And then Jason Wood fumbled the ball. And Mountain View recovered it, went and scored. And then all of a sudden, the game was tied with only a few minutes left. And the player I was talking about, uh, it was a linebacker who read the pass perfectly and comes across the middle in order to uh, intercept the ball. And to me, that's what gave Mountain View enough to be able to knock off Miranda. I feel like mine was pretty similar because about that time was when I was heading down to the field to grab our players of the game and hand out our get it in athletic apparel. When I had finally got down there and they had made that play and tied up the game at 35, the blaring memory that will always stand out to me 
is how loud the Mountain View side was in my right ear yelling overrated and then looking at them bouncing on that stance. And I could only imagine what the camera was like for Chris. It could have been a game that went past regulation, but Mountain View was able to pull out some really gutsy stuff and and beat a team that they weren't even actually slated to beat. Mm-hmm. And I, it just goes to show you that if a team has that much fight in them and to not give up, I mean, it was a big rivalry game. Uh, Miranda had won the previous two matchups, but that team came in with enough confidence to say this, we can beat this team. And at the start of the second half, we weren't sure that was going to happen. You know, uh, Miranda went up a couple scores really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And you started seeing that team get a little deflated, but then they forced those uh, few turnovers and it just swung that momentum in their, in their favor. And, it was, it was just a great sight to see, especially kind of that David versus Goliath type of game where they weren't expected to win. Nobody gave them a chance. I did. And, I, I know I, and did. I know across Tucson, nobody gave them a chance. And so for them to kind of pull that off just shows that you got to come to play every Friday no matter who you're playing. But also we had uh, our Thursday matchup, which was Push Ridge who hosted Catalina Foothills. Let's talk a little bit about that game. And that was a game that ended 28-13 to 13 with Push Ridge taking the victory. It was a pretty good game to begin with for Push Ridge. They were able to score a touchdown in the first quarter and then score two more to end the first half. Catalina Foothills didn't happen to score until the final quarter. And by that time, I felt, was it a little bit too late? And I think I might have asked you that out of the game. And I felt like that's what it was like the whole time that the running game of Catalina Foothills was totally engaged the entire time, but it just wasn't enough to get them past Push Ridge. And their defense, uh, speaking on the Lions, was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, Catalina Foothills was without uh, Samuel uh, Delgado, who is their main running back. But then uh, we got to see a former uh, gopher in Jet Scott uh, play for Catalina Foothills, so that was something different. But like you said, it was the Lions defense that was the focal point of why Catalina Foothills couldn't get anything going. The amount of pressure that they were putting on Jet Scott, stuffing the run, which is a lot easier to do when you don't have your RB1 in at that time. But even on the offensive side for Push Ridge, Bubba Mustaine is definitely a great quarterback that college uh, scouts should definitely keep their eye on because the kids' awareness and poise inside that pocket shows why Push Ridge puts up so much points each and every week. It was great to see Coach Wally again and, and, and see him interact with Chris and then get to learn more about the college recruiting process and get a little bit more insight of a coach and the inner workings of the mind of the person who's actually looking to get you on their team. I feel like Bubba definitely showed a piece of what he was capable of. I think that this week when he takes on the Santan Foothills Sabercats, which we will be at, I think that we will get a better showcase of what he can do there as to when he was at home against Catalina Foothills. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, this game he's definitely going to be able to air the ball out. You know, we will talk about uh, Santan Foothills in that game. But, you know, they're they're definitely have an uphill battle the rest of the season when it comes to the Sabercats team. And that's just due to the amount of injuries that have compiled. Uh, 
uh, since the beginning of the season. But overall, I thought it was a great atmosphere, uh, you know, at Push Ridge High School. The fans, I, I know a lot of people saw me with the, the fat head uh, during um, the third quarter. And it's just those type of things that we love uh, doing what we do and being able to interact not only with players, but with the fans and uh, the family members as well, because it makes our job a lot easier, makes it a lot more fun and for us to want to eventually return to that school. Yeah, and that's definitely a school that I'm looking forward to going back to. All right, moving on. Let's talk about the game between the Arate Prep Chargers and the Santa Cruz Valley Dust Devils. All right, so that one, uh, the Dust Devils came out firing again. Their offense was hitting uh, as they took home the victory 42-12. to Is there anybody uh, that you had your eye on whenever you uh, saw the stats this week? Of course, whenever you see the score that big, you've got to be asking yourself, what is Nathan Harris doing? He had a completion rate of 66% and went 18 for 27 with two touchdowns. And just to show that his efficiency was on point, he had zero interceptions this game. So either the Chargers defense just wasn't there this game or Nathan was just that good. And for me, it had to be the running game this week. You know, usually, uh, like you said, when we talk about Santa Cruz, it's about what Nathan Harris is doing with his receivers. But how about the running game for uh, Santa Cruz that rushed for 273 yards and four touchdowns? And it was led uh, by uh, Aiden Isagiri, who rushed for 124 yards and two touchdowns. And then Jonathan Ramos had 70 yards and a touchdown himself. And you know, uh, quarterback Nathan Harris contributed his part with fifty-five and one. So overall, so overall, you're seeing back-to-back weeks that Santa Cruz is getting that offense going. That was the biggest question mark uh, before we went into that Bisbee game. They were only averaging eighteen points a game, mm-hmm. and now they've hit forty-two in back-to-back weeks. And you got to be impressed with what Coach Tommy and his. Uh, offense coordinator are doing uh, down there in Eloy. I feel like the most captivating thing about this game is the fact that Isagiri was able to get as many yards as he did, even though Jonathan is primarily the featured back of this Santa Cruz offense. It's really great to see Santa Cruz progressing this far into the season and not only taking heed to our word about you know scoring more and, and doing everything you can to incorporate all parts of your offense they're doing just that and I feel like they're going to be just fine as the season progresses as well well with that victory Santa Cruz improves to three and one but uh, that was our only two-way matchup of the week uh, due to uh, ALA Anthem South having to forfeit their matchup to Wilcox let's jump right into our 3A teams and we'll start with the Florence Gophers how did they do going down to Rio Rico? The Florence Gophers completely demolished the Rio Rico Hawks from the get-go, scoring a majority of their points in the first half, 14 in the first quarter and another 14 in the second quarter. And Rio Rico was only held to eight points in the final quarter. So overall, Florence is doing exactly what we thought they would do as far as dominating their opponents, especially these opponents that are, let's just say, primed in a way to take that type of beating from this team. Because if you look at Rio Rico, Rio Rico is a struggling team. 
even though they are in the 4A, it'll probably do a little good for Florence in their standings. But overall, I think that their most intriguing game is the one that's coming up this week. And uh, we didn't have uh, much stats to go off of of what Florence uh, was able to do this week. But like you said, this was a game where they should have uh, won on paper, and they did just that. And it's going to get them ready for their matchup this week, which we know is a big rivalry. And you already saw on uh, Nolan's video, what was their chant at the end of the game? Beat Coolidge. And that's their whole focus this week. So I think that this game is ultimately going to hurt their strength of schedule just because Rio Rico is not that great of a team. But I know it was a game to kind of get them primed up for this upcoming game Friday night. And speaking of their opponents for this coming week, let's talk about their most recent game against the ALA Ironwood Warriors. This one was a total defensive battle. ALA Ironwood beats Coolidge by the score of 7-6. to six. Coolidge was beating ALA Ironwood at halftime 6-0. to zero. And when we saw this, this was something that we kind of figured was coming our way when these two teams were to meet. What did the final score tell you about this game? It said what I uh, said last week. It was going to be a defensive battle. You had ALA Ironwood who had only given up 32 points up to that point in the season, and they give up only six to Coolidge. The biggest thing that I have to circle around uh, Coolidge is the three turnovers by Gavin Gunter. Two two fumbles uh, that he lost, and then the interception. If you go and look at what Coolidge's defense did against ALA Ironwood, they only gave up 19 passing yards, and 192 rushing yards. And so they outgained the Warriors on Friday. But uh, to me, it was the key turnovers that ultimately led to ALA Ironwood uh, scoring the go-ahead touchdown. And you got to wonder, did Coolidge miss that extra point when they scored that touchdown? Because to me, that's always been the bright spot about Coolidge this year is that they were able to have a kicker who's uh, able to put it through the upright. So who knows uh, if maybe that kick was blocked or if the kicker missed it. But either way it goes, you have to applaud ALA Ironwood for their defense and for them to hang tough and force Coolidge to make some mistakes in order for them to take home the victory. Yeah, you got to give it up to Aiden Williams, who was able to get the lone score for the ALA Ironwood Warriors. And usually that's something that we don't really anticipate from the Warriors because lately Jet Brewster, the Ironwood Warriors quarterback, has been getting a lot of notoriety lately for his poise and ability to maintain under center. Even though they were, they were able to slightly skate away with the victory, I'm very curious to see what is to come between both of these teams this week as they prepare for two very highly anticipated matchups this Friday. Well, let's move into another Pinal County clash as it was Apache Junction going down to Santan Foothills. And this one turned into a one-sided affair as the Prospectors won 51-0 against the Sabercats. What are your initial thoughts here when you see that score? Well, it's obvious to me that the 
Apache Junction prospectors were able to take a commanding lead and then just continue to run away with it. And when I say run away with it, you got to look at a player like Evan De La Cruz, who on 17 carries got 153 yards and was able to get two touchdowns. And that's not it, because if you look at their quarterback, Aiden DeLeon, he was able to get one in on his legs as well and get it on 63 yards. So the prospectors are doing what they were supposed to this week by bouncing back, by being a team that was without David Rabalot. They're without so many other players that, that they're dealing with injuries as well. It's a very difficult time for Santan Foothills because there is so many new faces. And granted, that's not necessarily a challenge in itself. It's just that chemistry is not the same as it was last year. And I feel like we could kind of see that when we were at the media day. But I don't know. What do you think is next for the Sabercats? Well, it's tough when you're dealing with a lot of injuries. You know, you got, especially when you have a lot of seniors that are getting hurt and play crucial roles, not only on offense, but defense as well. You're going to get scores like that, unfortunately. But at the same time, you got it got to be a next man up mentality. I can go back to Mountain View, who had people who had not taken any snaps at quarterback this year, who came in and did their job in order to set their team up for success. But when you think about how well Santan Foothills played against Florence last week, was there too much damage to overcome when it comes to the health of their players? Because that was a grinded out type of game, and I know they laid it all on the line, but how healthy were they when they came out of that? And to me, it shows that they weren't that healthy, especially because I know that this offense is capable, is more than capable of putting up more than 126 yards. And for them to not even get in the end zone, it kind of, it's like a gut punch. It's like it takes the wind out of you to kind of see that. But at the same time, you have to give it up to a team like Apache Junction, who we know had their own struggles. And I know that this is going to be a big confidence boost for them to go out and show that they can put up that amount of points. You were speaking of Aiden uh, DeLeon. He also threw for 209 yards and four touchdowns. They didn't do nothing crazy on defense. You know, they got two sacks. They didn't get an interception, but their offense came to play and they were putting up a lot of points. So I think going forward, definitely a big boost for Apache Junction as far as the confidence is going to go. And for Santan Foothills, the only thing I can say is they got to get healthy or if not, the second half of the season may be a long one for them. No, I agree totally with Santan Foothills. They, they need to focus more on their health right now, so that way they can get through the second half of this season. And as far as the prospectors go, I just hope that their offense stays proficient and they're able to carry this on in their second half of the season. All right, so this is a game that, I, that we were looking forward to talking about all Friday, because when we came back from Mountain View, we got everything unpacked. We started pulling out our phones, trying to research the final scores for all of Pinal County and some of Southern Arizona. 
One thing in particular that stood out when I was able to go to our social media, you were able to share some of the the posts from the Vista Grande Spartans after their victory against the Prescott Badgers, 41 to 19. And you you had shared it because a lot of the times when when they tag us and stuff, it's just like, hey, you know, we're three and zero, and you know they're they're kind of like flexing on the the team, especially if they're in their away uh, locker room. They love taking photos and, and, and showing that they're having a good time in the city. But this time was different. This was a totally different experience because what did you think when they kind of took a shot at you by making you a meme in their their stories and on their posts by using our sound bites against us when we picked Prescott to kind of overpower the Spartans. Well, first off, I thought it was pretty clever, you know, great great on them for actually listening to what we say because at the end of the day, that's all I want is for these players and these coaches to kind of listen in. And you know, they don't have to take everything to heart, but it seems like uh, this one they kind of took personal is that I didn't have faith in them. And so all I have to say is good. That's what I want you guys to do is I want you, if I don't have faith in you, we say it every week, go prove us wrong. You know, if you think you're better than what you are, then it's going to show at the end of the game. And they did just that against Prescott. I will say that I thought Prescott was going to put up a better fight than what they did. But at the end of the day, you got to tip your hats, you know, especially when you were wrong at the, uh, at the end of it. When it comes to them, you know, using my voiceover as uh, on top of one of their pictures, it's like, great. That's what I want you to do. I want you to take in what I'm saying and go and use it out on the field because I guarantee you I'm not the only one in Pinal County that thinks Vista Grande is not the best team in Casa Grande at that time. A lot of people are going to say it's Casa Grande. The rankings say Vista Grande has not gotten the respect of the AIA because they're sitting at 24. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you're going to have two opportunities later in the second half of the season to show why you are the team to beat when it comes to the 4A Desert Sky. Still got Arcadia, still got uh, AZ College Prep. If they go out and beat those two teams, they are going to get the respect not only of us, but also around Casa Grande and in the AIA because that's the ultimate thing is it's not just me not having faith in them that week. It's the rest of the state doesn't seem to realize what Vista Grande is doing. And so I tip my hat off to them this week for going out and not only winning, but making a statement and then utilizing what I said against me. And I'm okay with that. I, I enjoy it. I'm going to have fun with it. And you know what? Go out and do it again this week. And I like what you said when you said good, because that was one of the posts that we had shared was getting over others' doubt. And Santan Foothills did it last year. Maybe Vista Grande does it this year. They have a good chance of strengthening that perception of them by extending their greatest start in school history from 4-0 and to 5-0 and this week as they prepare for their homecoming. But before we move on, let's take a look at what they did on Friday night. You had uh, Brendan Hunt throw for 301 yards and two touchdowns. 
But at the same time, they were still able to rush for 266 yards and add another four touchdowns, led by uh, Fernando Moya, who put up 126 yards and two touchdowns. And it seems like that connection between Brendan Hunt and uh, Darnell Castro is just hitting on all cylinders right now as uh, Darnell was able to have 186 yards and one touchdown. When you see that offense gelling to that magnitude, what is that saying about Vista Grande and why people should keep their eye on them? It shows that Vista Grande is not the same. They are a remarkable team. Head coach John Roberts has completely turned this program around. This was a program that was looked at as the second team in Casa Grande. And you said it earlier. A week ago, it was with good confidence somebody could say that Vista Grande wasn't the best team in Casa Grande. Now there's actually some evidence behind that claim that could show maybe this team is who they say they are. They are undefeated currently. We've said this multiple times. They are in uncharted waters when it comes to the Spartans and what they have done in the past. But that's okay. You don't get anywhere by, by you know, staying still. You have to go and, and, and take on these, these roads that have never been traveled before. What I want from Vista Grande this week is to go home, handle business against Desert Sunrise. We know Desert Sunrise is just one game away from getting a bunch of transfers under their wings, so to speak, and finally get to show the chemistry that is in practice on the playing field. With this game being their final game without those transfers, I think it's going to be a walkthrough for Vista Grande, and and they're just going to take it to the Golden Hawks. Well, that's a game you definitely want to have as your homecoming game is to play a team that has been struggling and for you to enjoy um, enjoy the night with not only your teammates, but the whole school and your family as well. But let's move into a game that I said was going to be a close one again. Even though it's a 4A, 3A matchup, you had the Post and Butte Broncos squeaking by Round Valley as they defeated them 20-18. to 18. And they were able to do this without QB1 Mason Lloyd, who we had talked about last week, had suffered the uh, concussion. He uh, sat out this game. But what were your thoughts on Post and Butte? Did you think it was going to be that close of a matchup? I didn't anticipate it being a two-point game. But the fact that you had mentioned last week that this was going to be a close one, and you're not really far off from your predictions, so I kind of had to you know, side with you on this one. I was hoping that Post and Butte would be able to come away with this victorious as they did. But again, 20 to 18, that's a little too close for comfort, wouldn't you say? It definitely is. Uh, the reason I had predicted that is uh, even if Mason Lloyd had played or not, it was just because last year I thought Post and Butte was hitting a good stride uh, late in the season uh, when they got ready to play Round Valley. And I uh, had predicted that Post and Butte was going to run away with that one. And it ended up being a closer matchup than what I had thought then. So that's the only reason I had predicted it again this year. And it just goes to show you that Round Valley is the Round Valley of old, who is a very good 3-8 team. And they're probably going to make the playoffs and try to make a good push uh, when that time comes. As far as Post and Butte, you know, you can only do so much 
when you don't have your starting quarterback in. You're kind of limited. But for me, it was uh, it was interesting to see that they only gained 154 yards on the ground, even though they rushed 33 times and got all their t- – you know, I, I was expecting them to get all their touchdowns through the ground game. But usually we see Post and Butte as a team who – has over 200-plus yards rushing. And so, for me, that was an interesting stat to see when it came to the Broncos. One of the one thing that stands out when I look at those numbers is seeing Ja'Kai Robertson with less than 50 yards with just under 10 carries. So, that tells me that Round Valley was completely expecting for Ja'Kai Robertson to do – the damage that he has been doing to everybody else in in previous games. And they were able to withhold him, but they weren't able to tell who was going to be that next man up. And it was obviously Michael Whitman. But that's the great thing about this program is that it doesn't matter who is at running back. Everybody can contribute in that team. And even though Ja'Kai didn't have the yards on the ground, He definitely had it through the air with six catches and 106 yards. But even though Ja'Kai wasn't able to contribute on the ground as much, he was still able to snag six catches through the air. And ultimately, that's what you want when you have a team that is struggling to put the ball in the end zone. And either way, they picked up the victory, and that's what we both wanted. And now they've improved to 2-2 and on the season and can start getting focused and ready for their midway matchup and then as they prepare for the second half of the season. And speaking of the team that will meet the Vista Grande Spartans in their homecoming match, the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks fell to the Flagstaff Eagles 27-0. Another disappointing shutout for the newest team in Maricopa. When you looked at the numbers, obviously the goose egg speaks volumes. But looking deeper than that into the stats, what's something that troubles you about this Golden Hawks team? They weren't able to do anything on the ground. They rushed the ball for 11 times and only had 10 yards to gain. You can't have that, especially if you're going to try to uh, throw the ball a little bit more. You got to have a balanced system. You know, I know some teams can kind of get away with it, but we know that Mike Wallace is going to be fighting for a spot to be the starter against Vinny Sanchez when he returns uh, from his uh, five games that he had to sit out. But they threw the ball 32 times for 192 yards. That's only good enough for an average of nine yards per catch. And then he had the lone interception on top of that. So to me, the focus kind of needs to be on the run game. Can the run game help develop the pass game a little bit more because it seems like they're a team that wants to throw it if you're a defense and you're seeing that you're going to want to drop into a type of zone or you know a nickel formation that's going to help you be able to stop the pass because it's going it's showing that desert sunrise right now cannot run the ball and now that you said that and looking at the box score do you feel that the golden hawks kind of got a little bit too far behind in that first half and then completely abandoned the run game when they saw that it wasn't doing them well, so they tried to just air it out and do what they could through the air? 
I mean, you're only down 14 to zero at halftime. So I don't think that's a big reason to completely abandon the run game in, in the first half. But then you look at the third quarter, they gave up 13 points. So then at that point, yes, I'm trying to air the ball out, trying to drive it downfield and score as quickly as possible. But at the same time, you still have to keep the defense honest. And having a good run game is going to help you set up and make your pass game that much better. So, yeah, I could see your point as to maybe they abandoned it completely. And uh, to me, that would have been more at the end of the third quarter when they were already trailing 27 to zero. All right. No, it was just something that I thought because for them to only have 11 rushes, I feels like to me that's something that you could easily get done in a quarter, let alone a first half of a game. All right, but let's roll on into the Combs Coyotes as they beat the Maryvale Panthers 44-16. to This was another game that was surprising to me because I didn't know how Combs was going to fare. And this was actually the game that took the longest to get the final score from. What was it about this victory over Maryvale that lets you know that Combs is now slowly getting on the right track, especially after losing such a big game to Coolidge last week? I think you got to sit there and look at the matchup. I thought the matchup was going to be good for Combs as Maryville is a team that has struggled not only this year, but in uh, past years as well. So this was an opportunity for that young core of, of the Coyotes to finally start meshing together without having to worry about playing an East Mark team or, you know, uh, some of the other four, some of the other strong 4A teams that they've already faced this year. And, you know, I know that they had to have had a sour taste in their mouth after last week when they played Coolidge. But just to see them come out and put up 44 points, I want to say that's the most they put up all year long. It's something good that's going to be that's going to start building the confidence for those people that are playing new roles or having to play a lot sooner than they expected with the injuries uh, to uh, some of the key players for the Coyotes. But at the end of the day, those are the teams you have to beat if you are Combs, and they did just that. Yeah, you're right. The only stats available for this game is the box score, and looking at that alone, they were able to keep Maryvale honest in the first quarter, having the game finish 8-8 eight to eight after the first 12 minutes of play. Then going into the second quarter, Combs kind of just picked it up and was able to score twice. And then they didn't hold back in the second uh, half as well, continuing that same scoring trend of one touchdown and another two to wrap up the game. Do you think that Combs will be able to continue this momentum coming into this week? Uh, it's going to be a, a good test for them this week. We'll see. You know, I, I hope that this is something to kind of get them going. It's just like I said, you got to look at the quality of the opponent. And Maryville is not a team that I can sit there and say will put up a good fight no matter who's playing them. But at the end of the day, Combs is finally in the winner's circle and you just got to be proud of that to kind of kick things going as we're almost uh, midway through the season. Small victories. All right, so let's move into the 5A, which featured the Friday Night Fever game of the week between the Casa Grande Cougars and the Maricopa Rams. 
And the Cougars were having Friday night fever at their stadium for the first time in school history. And they showed out, dismantling the Rams 72-7. to We know we were keeping track of that one uh, throughout Friday night's matchup, throughout uh, Friday night. When you saw the final score, what did you think? I, I actually didn't see the final score. You had told me, hey, Cassie Grant and the Maricopa game finished. And I was like, well, what was the final score? Guess. I said 50? No. I said 60? No. And I was like, no way, bro. Not 70. And you said 72. They put up a 70-burger on the Rams. And this was two teams that were coming into this game completely hot. The Rams were coming into this game after – getting two wins under their belt, that's the most wins that they've had in the last couple of years, and they're coming into this thing feeling themselves. But the Casa Grand Cougars, like you said, this was their first time hosting Friday Night Fever at Al Van Hazel Stadium, and they didn't disappoint. If you look at the numbers, it tells a compelling story of how Casa Grand was just able to put Maricopa in their sights and then just not let off the trigger. Yeah, you had uh, El Turnagan go 13 for 16 for 277 yards and five touchdowns. Combined, the Russian attack rushed for 208 yards and five touchdowns with Santino uh, Velasquez, who had 71 rushing yards, and then Cameron Armstrong and Nathan Long and El Turnagan contributing all the touchdowns. But even if you look at their wide receivers, Jacob Salinas, Two catches for 81 yards and two touchdowns. Kendall Cade with four catches and 89 yards and one touchdown. And then Damian Logan even contributing a touchdown as well. If I'm going to break it down for you, I'm happy with the successes of the Rams. And, you know, to see them pick up those two victories uh, this year has really helped that team in the confidence that they've had. But I'll break down to you high school football into a boxing reference I hear quite a bit. You got to be proud of what Maricopa has done. But at the same time, in high school football, there's levels. And Maricopa had uh, some opponents that were in their wheelhouse, so to speak, when it comes to the type of competition that they were playing in the first four games of the year, in the first uh, three games of the season. But now you enter a Casa Grande team who we know is a juggernaut when it comes to Pinal County teams and are making a name for themselves in the 5A. And that's why you see a score of 72-7 to and how they were able to shut down the Maricopa offense. As you saw Jose Cardona, who threw for, I believe, over 300 yards last week, held to 47 yards. And three interceptions and their running game only getting 103 yards. So that is what I mean when you see that there's levels to this game in high school football. And even though we see teams winning or, you know, people want to get their um, flowers when it comes to what they've been doing. Well, these are the games where it's like, okay, if you're really that team, you're going to go out and show out. And Cass Grand did just that. Yeah, and they did that not only in the numbers, but if you were able to get a glimpse of their uniforms that game, it was a pretty sharp combination. A little reminiscent of my team, the Rams, with the yellow, 
jersey and the blue pants. A, a very sick uniform combination, but nonetheless, it was uh, a vibrant way to showcase the dynamic offense of the Casa Grande Cougars. The only thing that really stood out to me, and I'm expecting kind of a bounce-back game for this player, is Avion Williams. He was only able to get one carry for eight yards rushing and only one reception for 38 yards running. I mean, granted, that that reception is a pretty big reception, but when you look at the contributions of his teammates, it kind of fails in comparison. So I'm looking for a big bounce-back game for number 34 this time around. So that's how things kind of shaped out uh, for the Pinal County teams this week. And for our 2A and 3A teams, now they start the second half of their season as they're going to start getting into some region matchups. And then you're going to have the 4A and 5A teams who are going to be at the halfway point by the end of Friday night. But before we go into this week's schedule, let's take a look at where all our teams stand at this moment. In the 2A black uh, standings, you have Pima, who's 4-0. I'll just say who's 3-1. Globe, who's 3-2. Miami and St. John's are both 1-3. And and San Carlos and ALA Anthem South are both 0-4. Then you move into the 2A salt region, where you have Chandler Prep at 5-0. Santa Cruz Valley and Santan Charter at 3-1. Heritage Academy at 2-2. NFL yet at one and three, Arte Prep at one and four. All right, looking at the three A Central standings, Florence leads the way at four and one. ALA Ironwood is trailing behind them at three and two. Coolidge at two and three. Santan Foothills at one and four. And Crisman, the winless team at the bottom, going 0 and five. And then looking at the four A East Sky standings. Eastmark sits atop with a record of 3-1, and one, also tied with Marcos Deniza, who is also 3-1. and one. Just behind them is Post and Butte, who just recently went to 2-2. Two and two. Snowflake, who is now 1-2, and, and AJ, who is 1-3. And, and in the 4A Desert Sky, you have Vista Grande and Arcadia, both at 4-0. AZ College Prep at 3-1. Mesquite and Combs both at 1-3, and and Desert Sunrise uh, still winless at 0-3. And And in the 5A Southern Region, you have 4-0 Buena, Casa Grande and Desert View at 3-1, Cienega 2-2, Sunnyside, and Marana at 1-3. And And I got to say that Marana one is the biggest surprise for me. Yeah, to see them at the bottom of that region is really troubling because that was not where... Me or you probably expected them in the beginning of the season. All right, wrapping things up with the 5A Sonoran region. We have Ironwood Ridge at 3-1, Maricopa at 2-2, Flowing Wells, Tucson, and Mountain View Marana all 1-3 with Nogales, the lone winless team in this region, going 0-4. And we'll see how... All the teams uh, ranked this week. We'll start with the 2A. You have Santa Cruz at number 10 and ALA Anthem South at 42. And for the 3A division, we have Florence at number 8, ALA Ironwood at 18, Coolidge at 19, 
and Santan Foothills at 24. All right, in the 4A division, we have Post and Butte at 17. Vista Grande got some respect this week. They move up to 18. Then you have Apache Junction at 24. Combs at 33. And Desert Sunrise at 52. And wrap things up with the 5A division rankings. Casa Grande is just on the outside in at 16, while Maricopa sits at 36. A big gap by a lot of these teams showing you just exactly the difference between all the programs in our county. Is there a team that is ranked a little bit lower than they should in your book or a little bit higher, so to speak? Honestly, I think right now Max Preps has it as close as I would uh, to anything. I know uh, ALA Ironwood, to see them at 18 is good. You got Coolidge at 19. But then I'm finally glad to see Vista Grande move up. I thought they were a top 20 team anyway before they had that game against Prescott. So for them to finally uh, jump up not only six spots but almost into the top 16, it's definitely good to see. It's something that I wasn't expecting uh, whenever they had picked up that victory. I thought they were still going to be uh, lower just because of the way Max Preps has been ranking them uh, since week one. So good to see them a little bit higher. What about yourself? Is there somebody you thought could be a little bit higher? I would say it would be Vista Grande. The thing that really surprised me is that they were one step behind Post and Butte. And in my book, I feel with them being undefeated, granted they're not playing the teams at the caliber of Post and Butte, and this is more than likely why Post and Butte is ranked ahead of them. I would say that with Vista Grande being undefeated and with them finally getting the respect they deserve, don't be surprised to see them ranked a little bit higher than Post and Butte this week around if things don't go Post and Butte's way. See, I I would even disagree with that, though. It's just because... Look at two out of their four wins were against Crisman and Rio Rico. We know what those programs entail. They're going to play a struggling Desert Sunrise uh, team this week. And even though Post and Butte is playing Coconino, to me, Coconino is helping their strength of schedule, regardless if they win or lose, and why you might see them still behind them, even if Post and Butte ends up losing. And that's because... Three out of your wins are a combined one in 10 right now. So you got to take those into consideration when you think of strength of schedule. So I think that's why they have it right. And I'm liking where it's at right now. But I could definitely see your point and and why you think uh, Vista Grande should be ranked a little higher. No, and I didn't even think of it from that perspective. All right, let's move into the week six games for all of our teams. Let's start in the 2A and let's play your favorite game of rapid fire. As we're going to start in the two-way division. Let's bump it up into Friday. The Alchesafe Falcons coming down to Pinal County to play the ALA Anthem South Titans. Who do you got? Well, ALA Anthem South is 0-4 and Alchesafe is 3-1. On paper, I mean, if it was any other team, I think it'd be a really close matchup. But just the struggles from ALA Anthem South and then, you know, hopefully their players uh, that were having a little bit of the bug last week are able to uh, kind of play and come back. 
But I got to give the edge to Al Jose on this one. I'm just hoping we see a, another good fight from LA Anthem South like they did against Catalina. Yeah, I'm hoping the same. They're going to be at home. And granted, the Falcons are going to be traveling a long way. But you want to give them something to talk about on that long ride home. I think this is a good game for ALA Anthem South to break out of their show, so to speak, and do more than put eight points on the board. All right, let's go into our final 2A matchup for Friday, and that is the Santa Cruz Dust Devils taking on the NFL Yet Academy Eagles. Which team is pulling this one out? This team is hot. Got to stick with them. That offense is going to have a field day. Uh, this Friday, so I'm going with Santa Cruz, who's at three and one to improve to four and one. Yeah, no doubt, Santa Cruz has got this one in the bag. Now let's jump into the three A competition. The ALA Ironwood Warriors will take on the Benjamin Franklin Chargers. After a, a, a slight win over the Coolidge Bears, do you think that ALA has the chance to go in and take this one as well? Well, both teams are coming in three and two. It's going to be a big game as far as divisional rankings go. Um, I'm going to go with ALA Ironwood on this one. And it's just due to the fact is I've seen Benjamin Franklin play against Coolidge. I think Coolidge kind of runs a little bit of the same scheme as Benjamin Franklin does right now in that wing T offense. And when you're a team that's only given up 38 points in five games... You got to like your chances. So I'm going to take ALA Ironwood. It's going to be a close one, but they're going to pull it out. You know what? I kind of want to agree with you on this one, but I'm going to go against the grain and put my vote of confidence behind the Benjamin Franklin Chargers. Now, let's talk about this huge Pinal County clash. It's a rivalry game. Who do you got between the Coolidge Bears Traveling the 10-mile trip to meet the Florence Gophers. I know I definitely wanted to uh, be at this game. Uh, We had it circled around. Unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to get it locked in uh, due to the athletic director letting us know that they stream their own games. And we respect that no matter what. And, you know, I know these two teams are going to come to fight. But I'm going to give the edge to the 4-1 and Florence Gophers as I think that their offense is going to be able to do a little bit more than what Coolidge has been able to do in the last, than what Coolidge has been able to do consistently. So I'm going to give the edge to the Gophers. No, I got to agree with you. It's the innovative offense from Coach Hart that has completely turned around this Florence Gophers team. I got to give all the confidence to the Florence Gophers. They're at home. There's a good chance that Friday Night Fever could get voted into this game as well. And we know the type of energy that these two cities bring when it's a rivalry game. So whether Cam Cox and crew are there or not, I know without a doubt, this is going to be a lights out show. All right, now jumping into the 4A, we got the Prescott Badgers coming in to Santan Valley to play the Combs Coyotes. Who do you got? Man, this is going to be a good matchup. Both teams one and three this year. I just think that Prescott may have the edge here just due to 
the inconsistencies of Combs as far as their offense goes and just how much they have been struggling to stop other offenses. So even though they had a great victory against Maryville, I got to give the edge to uh, Prescott. What about you? You know what? I'm leaning in a totally different direction. I feel like Will Brady and Combs will actually take that momentum and pounce on a Prescott team that is kind of on a, a downward spiral right now. And I feel like Combs will definitely take advantage of that. So my vote of confidence goes to the Coyotes. Here's a big matchup. The Bradshaw Mountain Bears taking on the Apache Junction Prospectors at Davis Field. Who do you got? I got to go Bradshaw Mountain. You know, I I applaud Apache Junction for uh, beating a Santan Foothills team. But at the same time, like I said, there's levels to these things. Bradshaw Mountain is definitely a playoff contender this year. And so I'm going to give them the edge. Yeah, the Bears have this one in the bag for me as well. Now, here's a game that could go either way. The Coconino Panthers taking on the Post and Butte Broncos. So Post and Butte's 2-2, two two. Coconino is 2-1. Last year, I had a lot of confidence in Post and Butte in this one. Uh, but I know it's going to be a great close matchup like it was last year. If Mason Lloyd is able to play this week, I'm going to give the edge to uh, Post and Butte. Uh, but if he's not able to play this week, I think it's going to be a lot closer than we expect. No, I agree. Uh, Mason Lloyd has proven to be the dynamic spark plug for this Post and Butte offense, whether he's trying to make the decision to make sure that they're able to get the yards on the ground or in the air. So he's going to be a vital part to whether or not Post and Butte is able to beat Coconino. So I got to agree with you. I got to go with Post and Butte. And I want to see that run. And I want to see that run game get back to its old ways for sure. Let's see, 200 yards plus. All right, let's move into the 5A where the Maricopa Rams will take on the Mesquite Wildcats. Well, Maricopa's 2-2, two and two, and while Mesquite is 1-3, and three, I know Mesquite has been struggling a little bit this year. They struggled last year, and it's a 4A team. This should be a team where Maricopa should be able to play well against. And I'm sure after giving up 72 points, they're going to want to come and ball out, especially on the road again. But at the same time, I think Mesquite is going to be a great opponent for them to kind of see where Maricopa is at. So I'm going to give the edge to Mesquite this week. What about you? I'm going to give the edge to Mesquite this week, too. I could have easily, you know, went against you and, and try to give the Rams a little bit of confidence, but I want to give them that, that good type of confidence. I want them to get over my doubt and your doubt and put away the Mesquite Wildcats. Now, this is a very big game. Lots of action that's going to be in this one. I wish we could have actually been at this one, too. But, it, but nonetheless, it is the Casa Grande Cougars going down to southern Arizona to meet up with the Micah Mountain Thunderbolts. Going to be a great game. Who do you got? So you got Casa Grande at 3-1 and one and Micah Mountain at 4-0. and oh. As good as I know Micah Mountain is, I think that Casa Grande has enough to uh, punch them in the mouth as well and to kind of counteract not only their rushing attack, but their passing attack as well. 
And after putting up 72 points on your homecoming, you have to have a great high coming into this game where you want to knock off an undefeated team. So I'm going to go with the 5A hot team, and I'm going to give the edge to Casa Grande on this one. I do expect it to be a good matchup, but I think the Cougars got enough to uh, knock off the Thunderbolts. They definitely do have enough to knock off the Micah Mountain Thunderbolts. The main matchup in this game that I'm really looking forward to is the quarterback matchup with Fatty Gant, with Fatty Gant going up against Jaden Thorson of Micah Mountain. It's going to be a really good game, but I think that Casa Grande pulls off this one by a minimum of a touchdown, but a maximum of 13 points. All right, now let's talk about the teams that are going to be under the microscope during the Grand Canyon Gridiron Road Tour. Let's talk about our Thursday game first. We have the Push Ridge Lions taking on the Santan Foothills Sabercats. We were able to see what the Lions were able to do last week. Do you think they continue that same success moving into the Santan Valley? As much as I want to have a vote of confidence for Santan Foothills, especially going to their home stadium, I just know what Push Ridge is capable of. And the fact that Santan Foothills is struggling as far as the health of their team and players are constantly going down, you got to give the edge to Push Ridge here just because I don't know how much Santan Foothills is going to have left, you know, as far as how much experience they're going to have out there on that field. And with Push Ridge already at 4-0 and their offense and defense are executing on both sides, I got to give the edge to Push Ridge. Yeah, you're right. With, with all the question marks behind Santan Foothills with players not able to compete, it's got to make you feel – it's got to make you feel for them a, a certain type of way, but then you you know that Push Ridge is going to come in and take full advantage of the wounded Sabercats. So credit to the Lions on this one. All right, and in our Friday matchup, this is a game that I'm looking forward to. I, I, I'm waiting to hear what the first words coming out of these players' mouth when they actually see us. It's going to be the homecoming matchup between the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks and the Vista Grande Spartans. You know I'm going to go with Vista on this one. I mean, I don't even think it's going to be close uh, at this time. Uh, it's just unfortunate that Desert Sunrise had to have that many players sitting out and their team is, you know, kind of struggling, losing to even a Copper Canyon team that I thought they were going to be able to pick up a victory against. But at the end of the day, it's a good game if you're Vista Grande especially on your homecoming and those seniors get to ball out uh, on their last homecoming of uh, their high school careers. I'll just say, you know what, just to put a little challenge to uh, my, my buddies over there at Vista Grande, if they don't at least put up 50, it's a letdown on homecoming night. You want them to put up a 50 burger? It's something that can be done. You know, uh, Flagstaff put up 27 against, uh, Desert Sunrise, and I don't think Flagstaff is up to par with Vista Grande. And that says a lot. You know, and so I think that Vista Grande is going to go have a field day, uh, just like uh, Coach uh, Luna and the Cougars did last week to Maricopa. It's like not only is it homecoming, but all eyes are going to be on them when it comes to the SOAZVB network broadcasting it. So 
I don't expect anything less when it comes to uh, Coach Roberts and the Spartans to want to make a statement when it comes to that 4A division. I don't either. This is going to be the season that Vista Grande has the ability to start off 5-0, and and their biggest test will come next week when we see if they go 6-0 and or 5-1. and Only time will tell. But this is what makes high school football so much fun, especially once you start getting into those region matchups because it's anybody's game this year. And I can't sit there and say there's a team that has a region on lock. Would you say that? No, not at all. Not not in any of our groups in Pinal County or throughout the state for that matter. There's so much competitive spirit going throughout the state and you love to see it you know what one thing that i love to see too is seeing arizona getting love from max preps arizona getting love from nfhs it just shows that arizona's coming a long way granted we're still kind of playing third fourth fiddle to uh to states like texas california and florida but you, you can't deny the the rise of arizona right now and, and you'd love to see it Especially having teams that are considered the top 25 in the nation. I think like Liberty and Chandler, uh, Hamilton and Bash, I know, are in considerations each and every week. So, mm-hmm. But week six is upon us. It's going to be another great week. Another doubleheader, our last one of the year. When it comes to uh, the Gridiron, when it comes to the Grand Canyon uh, Gridiron Road Tour, But I think we can leave it right there. We hope y'all enjoyed the show. And if you ain't got nothing else for us, brother, you know what to say. God did. Take it easy.